Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician, and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, you're listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 96. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. Today, we are going to be talking about the three-step tool that I teach to help people manage those intense food cravings, the cravings for snacks in the afternoon, when you get home from work, at night when you're watching TV. I'm going to give you the three steps that I recommend for folks to manage those experiences. Quick plug before we get started for next week's podcast, I will be talking about stress, how it impacts your health and your blood sugars, how to appropriately assess it. I think one of the most interesting things about stress is that we, most folks will be like, oh, I don't have any stress. I don't know about any stress. There's no stress in my life. As you're talking to them, you can feel tension in their voice, but they don't appreciate that as stress. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how stress shows up. Like, how are you going to know if you're stressed? And then I'm going to talk about some of the scientifically proven ways to help folks manage stress. It's going to be good. Make sure if you're not already subscribed to my podcast that you subscribe to it so you don't miss any of the coming episodes. All right, let's dig in to how to manage your cravings, your food urges, your afternoon snacking, the desire to eat. We're going to go through a couple different things. One, um, I'm going to describe the difference between sensations and feelings. I'm going to then apply that to hunger and how true hunger is different from brain hunger. And then I'm going to go through the three steps that I teach. And I want to get those done in under 10 minutes because I really think being able to do this, to deal with the desire, the craving, the urge to eat something in under 10 minutes, I think it's important that we realize that we can take care of this in under 10 minutes because I'll be explaining things. I may take longer than 10 minutes, but do recognize the more you practice it, the less time it takes you. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. It will take you less time in practice to actually do this. And then lastly, I do want to talk about a couple of different things as far as how to implement these strategies? How do you make these strategies a habit, really? How do you make this three-step strategy your go-to instead of the Oreos your go-to? So we're going to talk about all of that. So let's dig into sensations versus feelings because I think it's really important that we all understand this. I've talked about this on the podcast in multiple different episodes. So if this is a review for you, great. If you've never heard about this, recognize there's other podcasts that I have out describing this in more detail. There are feelings and there are sensations. Feelings are vibrations in our body and sensations are things that our body picks up, okay? So feelings are always caused by a thought in our brain. 
We have a thought about something and it creates a vibration of a certain frequency in our body. And then we name that feeling. We name that vibration, okay? Versus a sensation, which is something that our body picks up and carries it to our central nervous system. And our central nervous system carries it to our, like our spinal cord brings it to our brain and our brain interprets that sensation. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. An example of a feeling is being brokenhearted. Many of you know my dog, one of our dogs died a couple years ago and I was out looking. She had gotten out of the backyard and I had been out looking for her for about four hours or so before the police called me and told me they'd found my dog on a highway and she was dead. My experience of brokenhearted happened only because of the thoughts that I had from finding out that my dog was dead. There was no physiology that happened in me when my dog died. The only thing that changed was when I had the knowledge about my dog dying that gave me feelings about my dog dying that caused me to feel brokenhearted. Another example of feelings versus sensations is when we feel nervous. So nervous for me shows up definitely as butterflies in my stomach and clearly there are no butterflies in my stomach, right? recognizing that the feeling of butterflies in my stomach come from a belief that I have that I'm going to do something stupid when I'm presenting, for example. Like, so if I have to give a presentation, that worry in my brain that I'm going to do something, I'm either going to fall or I'm going to say something that embarrasses me creates that nervousness in my body, right? It creates the butterflies in my stomach. Nothing is actually going on in my stomach. There aren't really butterflies there. Do recognize that the stomach does have a ton of neurons in it. There's a ton of nerve cells in your stomach, in your gut, in your digestive tract. So there may be some firing of that going on. But again, it's not like there is butterflies in my stomach that's making me have that experience. So let's talk a little bit about sensations now. How are sensations different from feelings? Sensations occur... When I put my hand or any other part of my body onto something or it comes into contact with something and my hand contacts a surface, then there are receptors in my hand that bring a signal to my central nervous system. That signal travels up my spine to my brain to tell me that what I'm touching is hot. I interpret it with my brain. That's hot. Pull your hand away. That's cool. It's okay. You can leave it there. That's sharp. You stuck yourself with a finger or with a pin. That is sensations that are picked up in your periphery is what we call it in medicine, the peripheral nervous system. We pick it up by our senses and our nervous system brings it up to our brain where our brain interprets what is going on versus our brain creating something and assigning it to our body. That's a feeling. A sensation is something that happens outside of our body that our nervous system picks up and brings it to our brain and our brain interprets it. The reason it's important to distinguish between those two things is because hunger can be both. Hunger can be true physical body hunger that you pick up as a sensation from an empty stomach that travels from your empty stomach, that sensation up to your brain where your brain says, oh, the stomach's empty. It's time to eat. Hunger can also be, I'm bored at work. I'm frustrated with this experience and I think I should eat and Oreos would help. We also describe that as hunger. So recognize that brain hunger and true hunger are not the same. And most of the time in America, we experience brain hunger, not true hunger. The way you can tell, like the simple rules of thumb that I use to tell the difference between brain hunger and true hunger. 
Brain hunger will be very intense. It will be very specific and it will come on very abruptly. It will be distracting to you. Brain hunger will be. It will be a Snickers is what I need. I need it right now. Get out of my way. I don't care what else I'm doing. I need to take a break from this and go get a Snickers. That is brain hunger versus true hunger is not specific. It comes intermittently or in waves. It waxes and wanes. You can be distracted from true hunger. Like you can go drink a a glass of water and then be like, oh, I've got to finish this task and then I'll go eat. That's true hunger. It's not specific. There is no Snickers. There is no food specificity like a baked chicken breast and some roasted broccoli will do just fine for true hunger. And if you think about people in the world that experience true hunger, you will see that that's very true. Starving people do not come to America where they get fed clean food and be like, I demand a Snickers. I demand McDonald's. I want only pizza. Keep your clean chicken breast and your clean broccoli for somebody else. I I won't have that. I can only have Snickers, pizza, and McDonald's. People who are truly hungry do not have that kind of specificity. And when we experience true hunger, there is not that kind of specificity. I need a Snickers and a Snickers only associated with it. So some of those things, those characteristics are, I think, handy ways to tell the difference between true hunger and brain hunger. Okay, so let's talk about how you manage the craving and the urges and the desires. The first step to managing urges is that you take a 10-minute pause. Give yourself permission to just take 10 minutes and deal with this. Because here's the deal. You're going to say, I don't have time. But if you have time to go down and get the Snickers from the candy machine and walk back, you've got time to take care of the urges that you're having, of the desire, to at least consider it. So take a 10-minute pause. This allows you to create some awareness about what's really going on in your experience. Ask yourself questions like, what am I really experiencing here? What feelings am I actually having? Why am I feeling this way? Like, what thought is making me feel whatever I'm feeling that my body is telling me Snickers is the answer? How does that feeling feel? How intense is it? Where would you locate it in your body? What qualities would you assign to it? Does it radiate anywhere? Could you give it a color? Does it have a temperature? So a great example, again, for me, when I worked in my clinical practice, I very much had this experience that came on as low-grade annoyance, low-grade frustration. When I really questioned myself as to what I was experiencing, usually it was associated with a task that I had to do that I didn't want to do because I was boring. It was boring. I was feeling bored with the task. So what feeling was I actually having? Well, I was bored. And why was I bored? Like what was the thought that was creating this feeling of boredom in my body? Well, the thought that was creating that was, I don't like charting. It's so boring. This is my least favorite part of my job. I don't like doing this part. How did boredom actually feel in my body? It felt like maybe like an empty hole in like the top of my stomach. It was not cold, but not warm. It wasn't that intense. It was pretty dull. It didn't really radiate anywhere, maybe to my chest or my throat. I would describe it with the color of black. Like, okay, taking 10 minutes to kind of create some awareness about what you're experiencing is really important because the next step is to ask, what's wrong with it? Why is it a problem? Why is any of it a problem? Why is it a problem that I'm having that feeling? It doesn't physically cause me any pain or harm. It's not going to hurt me. 
it's just a little boredom, right? So when you can allow for the feeling that you're having without trying to make it go away, like I was trying the whole time, I felt like there was something wrong with being bored. Like clearly I could not tolerate boredom. I must have some M&Ms to get me through, a Snickers to get me through. When you can allow for it without making it go away, you can give yourself some space to ask, why is this even a problem? Sometimes you decide it is a problem. Like there came a time where I was like, I don't want to feel bored about work. I don't want to feel bored at this point because that boredom really makes me want to eat M&Ms. What else then is true about this situation? I feel like what else is true about this situation is one of the most powerful questions that you can ask yourself because there's almost always something else that is true about the situation and it typically will feel better than the story that you're telling yourself that's driving you to food. So for me, with the example of work, what else was true about the situation was that that's actually what I got paid to do. I didn't need to go eat anything to reward myself for doing the boring work. I got a paycheck for doing the boring work. When I started to look at it like that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't need to fix anything right now. There's not a problem here. I also started to focus on the fact that That part of my work, the charting part of my work, allowed my patients to have really amazing caretaking of them. One, I got to say what I was doing. I got to tell what I found in my physical exam, what the patient told me, and then what my plan was, which then meant if they went and saw another one of my partners, my partner would know exactly what I was thinking and exactly what the plan was, and they would be able to say, oh yeah, this plan still really fits, we need to continue with this. Or, oh, no, they didn't tell her this. This has developed since. We need to do something different. When I would do my charting, my charting allowed my patients to get amazing care for themselves because of the quality of my charting. So suddenly, it wasn't something I needed to be rewarded for doing. It was just something that was part of what I did, and I wanted to do it really well. So when you can find, when you can ask yourself, what else is true here? you can typically find something that feels a little bit better. And that's awesome because when you feel less bored, less annoyed, less frustrated, less irritated, suddenly you don't need to fix any of that with M&Ms. And then the last step is can you try to postpone complying with the urge, with the desire, with the craving? So during this time, it is not the time to distract yourself. You're not trying to avoid it. You're just trying to sit with that feeling. So for me, I didn't get to the point where I got to reframe my belief about charting being boring until I was able to sit with boredom and realize it wasn't going to hurt me. It wasn't anything to be run from. I just don't have to experience it because it's not that much fun. Like I can experience something else. For me, when I worked through that, it was very important for me to start to what I call anchor in to why it was important for me to not comply with the cravings. So why are you wanting to avoid the food that your brain is offering you, the Snickers, the M&Ms, the chips, the pizza, whatever it is, the donut in the break room, whatever it is. Why is it important for you to not comply with that offer that your brain's giving you? Maybe it's because you want to normalize your hormones, your, both your insulin and the dopamine neurotransmitter that you're releasing in your brain when you eat those foods. 
Maybe it's because you want to normalize your blood sugars and you want to come off your medications. You want to live healthier. You want to feel physically better. You want to lose weight. Whatever the reason is that it's important for you not to eat that food, spend some time reconnecting and anchoring into that reason. So that is where it's really, that, that's the three steps. Those three steps took me less than 10 minutes just to tell you and walk through them. Lastly, I want to challenge you to do this as much as possible. I have been going, I've been reading this book. It's called Cleaning Up Your Messy Mind. It's by a neuroscientist named Caroline Leaf, L-E-A-F. It's a very, very good book. But what she talks about in this book is what she calls neurocycling. And she walks you through a 63-day process where you change your thoughts. And of course, when I say, when I used to hear change your thoughts, I was like, yeah, I just start thinking something different. Got it. Check. But what Caroline Leaf actually has studied and discusses in this book is the actual neuroanatomy, the neuroanatomical changes that occur in your brain to your brain cells when you think something different and think it on purpose. So there is the process of forming new dendrites, and those new dendrites are new thoughts, and how you then cement those new thoughts so that they become your automatic thoughts. And that is a 63-day process that she lines out in her book. I recommend reading it. I think it's amazing. But recognizing that the more you practice, the new way you're looking at this, the new way of thinking about it, the better you get at it. So I always encourage people, just give yourself 100 times. Give yourself 100 of these experiences so that you can get really, really good at managing your urges and desires. That's how it works, right? We just practice it over and over and over. We practice the new belief. I don't need to be rewarded for doing the chart work. The chart work's really important for my patients and their health. I'm getting a paycheck, and part of that paycheck pays me for this part of my work. I don't need M&Ms to reward me. I don't need a Snickers bar to get through it. A little boredom isn't going to hurt me. And in the end, I don't really even think that I look at it as boredom anymore, Because I realize I've like cemented the belief that it's really important for patients to have quality charts made for them so they can get the best healthcare out there available. But that took time. That didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a week. It took a long time to get there. And that's where practicing it 100 times will serve you, okay? Again, this all should take less than 10 minutes, easily less than 10 minutes. The first time, maybe it takes close to 10 minutes. I would be surprised. I would say even the first time, it's going to take five or six minutes. And the more you practice it, the less time it will take you. And the more you practice it and the less time it takes you, the more automatic that is going to happen for you and the less automatic turning to Oreos, M&Ms, and Snickers will be. So try that out. If you're listening to this and you're like, yes, this is my problem, I don't need you to tell me that I don't need to eat Snickers or M&Ms. I know that, but this is my problem. I do it anyway. That is what my program is for. My program is DelaneMD. You can find more information at DelaneMD.com. You can find information about me on Instagram, on Facebook. You can email me at Delane at DelaneMD.com. But my program helps high-achieving women who have type 2 diabetes. They do a lot of hard things in their life. They manage multi-million dollar companies. They are amazing mothers, amazing wives, amazing daughters to aging parents, but they can't manage chocolate cake. 
they do a lot of amazing things, but somehow chocolate cake always gets the best of them. If that is the situation you're finding yourself in, this is what my program helps with. This is exactly the work that I do with my clients. If you're wondering if that's right for you, send me an email, delane at delanemd.com. Set up some time. We'll consult. I'll talk to you about where how my program can help you how you can get to that space that you want to be in, and you can decide if that program's right for you. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to holler at me. I'm happy to answer anything, and I will talk with you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.